Is this First Kings or Second Kings, Abraham? I can't, I can't read your writing very well. <laughs> so, uh, we'll turn to First Kings, and we're going to look at First Kings chapter twenty-one. First Kings chapter twenty-one, and you can remain seated. This is a familiar story to uh, to most of you, probably, but uh, we'll read uh, starting in verse number one. So, First Kings chapter twenty-one. And verse number one, and I'll start there. And if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say rigitikatambo no so rumbo umugumugumuguchi. All right, so I'm assuming everybody's there. And it says in First Kings chapter twenty-one, verse one, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near. Unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed. And turned, his, uh, turned away his face and would eat no bread. But Jezebel, if you uh, want a picture, uh, a vivid picture of Jezebel, just picture uh, Nancy Pelosi and, uh, and Hillary Clinton and a merge of those two. That's Jezebel right there. And uh, so, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee, it for, uh, give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, and, uh, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, and sealed them with a seal. And sent letters unto the elders, the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. Jump down, if you would, in verse number, uh, verse number 13. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Obviously, that was a lie. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. And they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And the message I want to bring this evening is entitled, I'd rather die a hero than live a coward. I'd rather die a hero than live a coward. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house this evening. And Lord, I ask that you'd anoint preacher. And now I pray that you'd fill him with thy spirit, Lord, as he preaches us down the road. And God, I pray that you'd be with that service in a special way. Thank you that you are God. And you are omnipresent, and you are there, you are here, <laughs> you're not limited by time, space. Lord, you're the God of heaven, and you're the one that created us. Lord, you've uh, Lord, given us your word. You've allowed us to meet together for such a time as this. So I ask that you would anoint me with, the spirit, uh, with thy spirit and power, and please help me as I deliver the truth I believe you have for us this evening. And God, I pray that most of all that you'd be glorified. And may we walk away, Lord, with just practical truths that we can apply to our lives, and the God that, uh, Lord, that, uh, and that we'll just remember the truths, not necessarily the message, 
about the truths that you give us from your word. Uh, God, we can live by biblical principles. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd rather die a hero than live a coward. I can imagine a picture in this story, and, uh, and it's hard for me to picture, you know, Bible days because I'm so accustomed to, you know, the day and age which we live. And so if you'll just imagine with me, uh, you know, Naboth, as he's just a little guy, and you can see him out there, and uh, maybe it's, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, sitting on his granddaddy's lap, and, uh, you know, Papa or Pops or... Uh, uh, as preacher is called now, people. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but he's, uh, but little Naboth, he's on granddaddy's, uh, granddaddy's lap and they're uh, riding the tractor at that time, probably a mule or something, but in our, in our time, a tractor and he's, and he's riding around and boy, he's just soaking it in as they're going around and the vineyard and, uh, and his granddaddy tells him now, son, uh, now you know, talking to his grandson. Now, you know, I remember, uh, when we had little or nothing. And, uh, and he tells him about the hard times. And I remember my, uh, my, uh, my grand, my grandma, she's, uh, she's 84 now. And she is, uh, proud of the fact that she is the oldest, uh, lady, oldest living lady in, uh, Cedar Falls. And so she's proud of that. And, uh, but she's, uh, but she's still, but she was out there a couple weeks ago. She had her tiller and she was plowing the garden at 84 and going strong. And, uh, and so, uh, she's always, uh, you know, loved, loved doing that. My uncle lived at the top of the hill. He always farmed and so forth. So I can, I can, I can visualize, you know, the farm aspect, uh, of it. And they tell stories. My aunt Jessie Weaver, uh, she, she, uh, tells story. I remember as a kid, you know, sitting and listening to him talk. And they said at one time, she remembers being so, uh, you know, they were just so bad off. They would go in the garden and pick turnips and put a turnip on a stick and pretend it was an ice cream cone. <laughs> and so I haven't, you know, I haven't lived in that, you know, that, uh, you know, at such hard times. But I imagine as Naboth's granddaddy's telling him stories about walking uphill both ways, you know, to, to school in the snow and it's eight miles, uh, you know, one way, 10 miles back. And, uh, and so he's telling him all these stories and, and boy, and I remember just as a little, as a little guy sitting, I used to love listening to uh, my grandparents talk and tell stories about the old days, my great uncle and great aunt. And I used to, I really did. I just enjoyed it. I was, I was like a, uh, an old man trapped in a little kid's body. And, uh, but I used to love sitting there and listening to those stories and, and Naboth, here he is sitting with his granddaddy. And, uh, and then, uh, I imagine, you know, as his granddaddy got older in years and, and passed on, now, now the, the vineyard business, that, that, that farm, uh, that's his daddy's. And uh, now as he's maybe a little bit older and he's throwing fertilizer on his shoulder, you know, and maybe he's still not quite strong enough to carry it all the way, but he starts dragging the fertilizer with him, you know, and taking the hoe and, uh, and digging out and, uh, and, and fertilizing those, uh, those great vines. And, uh, and, his, uh, and he, he has those fond memories of, of his dad. And then as his dad comes to the end of his life, and now Naboth's, uh, he's not a, not a little guy anymore. Now he's a, he's a grown man. He has the kids of his own. And uh, I envision, you know, Naboth's uh, daddy on his deathbed. And say, now son, your granddaddy, your great-granddaddy perhaps, so we have, you know, you you remember, uh, you know, even times when you were little, we had some hard times, and there were seasons of drought, and there were seasons of uh, where we went without, but how God is blessed. And you remember when we prayed together, and we prayed, and we were asking, and then God blessed, and then we were able to, you know, have a have a great harvest, and we were selling grapes left and right, and able to start canning them and selling them, and to eventually a point, uh, you know, we started, you know, the business started growing. 
And you remember we put the little store on the property, and I think of, you know, uh, uh, what's that little place called? Uh, Mill, Millstone Creek Orchard, you know, over there uh, close to Ramsour. Remember they had a little situation like that, and uh, so where, and they said, and I remember, uh, you know, we first started, and then and the business started growing, we are able to export, you know, our, our, our jelly and, and jam. And uh, Naboth, uh, as his daddy's talking to him, he's just sitting there with tears rolling down his eyes. And his dad said, now, son, he said, the Lord gave us this. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget what the Lord did for us. And now this is yours. Don't ever sell out. Don't ever give up what, what God has given us. And uh, Naboth here, Ahab, is the king and, uh, and an extremely powerful, extremely wealthy man comes to him and offers to buy the vineyard in verse number 2. In verse number 3, if you look again in 1 Kings 21, And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased. Naboth would not be bought. He wasn't for sale. Ahab, on the other hand, was for sale. He lacked integrity. If you look, I just want you to see this. Look at verse number 25. So chapter 21, verse number 25 and all right, so you have you have two uh, the contrast here of a Naboth, a man of integrity, and though he wasn't a king, though he wasn't rich, he had character, he had substance. You look at a man Ahab who did not have that, he did not possess that, but Ahab was the king. He had uh, he had the title, but he but he lacked the uh, he lacked integrity. Look at verse number twenty five of chapter twenty one, and it says, "But there was none like unto Ahab." Listen to this, which did sell himself. To work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And you look at the contrast of Naboth as opposed to Ahab. You look at a man of integrity versus a man who had no integrity. You look at a man who, uh, who would not be bought, who wasn't for sale. And Ahab, on the other hand, was for sale. He lacked integrity. But today we need more Naboths, men and women of integrity. Naboth would rather die than compromise his integrity. He would rather die than sell out. There are some lessons here I believe the Lord has for all of us as we contrast Naboth's character with Ahab's. And I just want to make three or four statements this evening and uh, that the Lord spoke to my heart about as I was studying over this, uh, this, this story here. And number one, I'd like to say this. I'd rather be content than covetous. I'd rather be content than covetous. Recognize right now what you have. Naboth... He was content with what he had. I mean, he said, this is what God has given me. This is what my granddaddy uh, sacrificed. This is what my daddy sacrificed for. And God's given me something. And he embraced it. He said, this is, he said, I want what I have. And do you know that the word Jezreel means God sows? God sows. There is no place like the will of God. Think of Naboth sitting out there in his rocking chair on the front porch. And now what his granddaddy started with, just a, maybe an acre or two, man, that thing exploded. And maybe now they have hundreds of acres. And he looks out there and he's got the little kids running around the yard and they're playing out there. And he's, he's sitting there on the rock, one rocking chair, his wife's on the other. And man, he's just talking about the goodness of God and what God has given them and how God has blessed them. And as he sits on that, he sits on that rocking chair. No, he's not sitting on an ivory throne, but to him and his mind, that's all the throne he needs. It's called contentment. I was the other, uh, was last week, I was just sitting and, and, uh, and one morning I was just writing down some things I was thankful for. And, uh, 
and I'm just thankful, you know, just uh, the, the stage of life I'm in right now is just a sweet stage. You know, my little six-year-old, she's missing both her front teeth. <laughs> and, uh, and so my little wild man, he is, uh, Cole, he is, uh, everything he does, he's passionate about. Like when he drinks a bottle of water, <laughs> and he's passionate about, that's just who he is. So when I walk through the door of my house, you know, he runs up, you know, grabs my legs, gives me a tight hug. And, uh, you know, my little, uh, little Kyle and, and just, uh, and so all the, those little, you know, the little gummy smile, he has, now he has one tooth that's poking through. But yeah, I love the gummy smile stage when he smiles, just all gums. And now that one little tooth, you know, so he can bite you. And, uh, man, I don't, there's a message that preachers share. It's one of the, one of the all-time greats. Vance Havner preached it. And it's entitled, I've Never Lost the Wonder. I've Never Lost the Wonder. And you know, in our life, you know what Satan wants to do? Satan wants us to get focused on the one thing we can't have or the one thing that, uh, that God says no to. He wants us to, to get our eyes off of everything good that we have and get focused on that one thing we can't have. Go back with me, if you would, to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything. They could eat any fruit. They could do. They could, uh, you know, if they want, they wanted bananas. They could have bananas. They wanted oranges or nectarines. And uh, man, I'm thankful for summer. All the different fruits, you know, coming in. And uh, watermelon. They could have whatever they wanted. There was one thing that they couldn't have. And Satan was so sly and so slick that he got Eve focused and her mind fixated on that one thing that she couldn't have. And she said, and she forsook everything that she could have for the one thing that was forbidden. You know, Satan wants to do the same thing to us. You know, Satan wants to get us, our eyes fixated on that one thing, the lust of the eyes. He wants to get our eyes off of Christ, our eyes off of the Lord and the things of God. And he wants us to get focused on that which we can't have. Naboth was a man who was content. Ahab was covetous. J. Vernon McGee said he stood on the hill of Samaria where Ahab and Jezebel's palace was. He said that you could see Jerusalem to the south. You could see the valley of uh, Esdrealon and the Sea of Galilee to the north. Uh, you could see jo- the Jordan River on the east and the Mediterranean Sea on the west. He said it's breathtaking. And as you, uh, and as you stood there, you could just see everything that Ahab had. But Ahab had a palace and he was miserable. I, I remember as I was a teenager... And I remember of uh, I heard about an actor, and this actor uh, tried to uh, attempted attempted suicide. And but this actor was a multimillionaire. He was you know if I said his name, everybody instantly would recognize recognize the notoriety of the name. And uh, but this man, but I remember hearing that in the same day as a teenager, I read in my Bible where it said in Acts five and uh, verses forty through forty one. There it says how they uh, talked about uh, the apostles, how they were beaten. And it said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And even as a teenager, I started, I thought, you know what? Here's somebody who has everything the world can offer. Riches, fame, everything. And then you have the apostles who have, they're in prison, they're being beaten, and here they are rejoicing. And it just, I was, I was just thinking, you know, it's, and I guess that's, you know, kind of when it, when it, uh, when it dawned on me, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, be poor and serve God than be rich without him. I'd rather be sick 
and not have help, but have God with me than to be healthy without God. And, 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 and God, and Satan is so, is so deceitful and he wants us to think that, man, we're missing out on something. But may I remind us this evening, the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And Jesus said this, he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And Naboth understood what he had. He said, God has given me something and God has given something to my daddy, my granddaddy, and that inheritance is passed down to me and I'm not relinquishing it and I'm not going to give it up and I'm going to be content with what I've had, what I have and I'm not going to be covetous. But Ahab was a man that was covetous. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Brother Larry Brown says it this way. He said, I, he said, he said, live fat, die skinny. He said, I'm all in for Jesus. And I'd rather, I'd rather have Christ. I'd rather be dirt poor and have the Lord and know that God's walking with me. I'd rather be like a Joseph in prison and the Bible said God was with him. I'd rather be like a David running from a life in a cave knowing that God is with me than to be somewhere safe in a place of security without God. And, uh, and, and Naboth understood that concept and he said, the Lord forbid it that I should sell this, uh, the, my, uh, my vineyard, the inheritance my fathers had given me. First Timothy six, six says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, sometimes less is more. And, you know, I know I'm an American, you know, and I don't, I don't know what it's like. You know, I just talked to Leslie. She said, you just came back from Thailand. I don't know. I've only been to out of the country one time. And, uh, and that was not, not a place of poverty. And uh, so uh, we went to the Turks and Caicos. So, uh, so I don't know what it is to, uh, you know, to be impoverished, so to speak, just, just personally, I, I really don't. But I do know this. I do know that uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and I'd rather, I'd rather, if I was forced to live on a little bit less and serve God, I'd much rather do that than have great abundance and, uh, and be away from, away from the Lord. Proverbs twelve twenty six says the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. And so the righteous is more excellent, but but just like uh, just like Satan always does, he tries to seduce the righteous, and uh, and he tries to seduce him from uh, from the path of right. But I want to say to us, and my charge to us this evening is, we need to recognize what we have. The eternal is far more important than merely the temporal. Naboth had an inheritance. And, and we can't we can't despise our inheritance. The Bible says that Esau, uh, when Jacob came to him and he sold his birthright, the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. And that word despise just means he lightly esteemed it. Yeah, it's not really a big deal. Whatever. And we can't get to that place in our Christian life where we lightly esteem the things of God. We've got to put things in their proper perspective. We've got to, uh, we can't lightly esteem what God has given us here. You know, I was thinking about what God has given us, you know, last week at Vacation Bible School. Anybody still recovering from last week? I was talking to Brother Andrew, and he said that, uh, you know, it was like a, a band of brothers back there. He sat back there. He said, I'm always drawn to, like, the worst row. And he said, sure enough. And uh, so he sat on, you know, Tuesday night, sat on the worst row. But it was uh, Levi was there, and then Miss Deborah, praise the Lord. And so they, as a band of brothers and sister, and they, uh, you know, fought against the four of evil and uh, and great great good was accomplished but but you know as we think about our church what god has given us you know what god has given us here at bailey's girl baptist church is awesome the pastor god has given us this uh, uh the uh 
youth pastor. And, uh, but, the, but the staff God has given us, we need to recognize what we have. And Naboth had an, had an inheritance. And don't lightly esteem what God has given us. And we've got to put things in proper perspective. And don't, uh, don't lightly esteem uh, you know, the great, uh, great success of Vacation Bible School and, and souls being saved in Sunday school and bus route. And, uh, and, and teenagers, don't, don't take for granted and just say, you know what? Uh, don't take for granted uh, school, Christian school or camp and opportunities that God has given you. And don't lightly esteem those opportunities. If you've been given them, man, take advantage and grab on and grab hold and take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. But be content. Many times we neglect the most important things. I lost my mic. There we go. And uh, many times we neglect... The most important things. And for instance, we have time to watch TV, but we don't have time to read our Bible. Uh, we have we have time to do all kinds of things, but we don't have time to go soul winning. We don't have time to uh, to make it to all the church services. But but as we look at the life of Naboth, we look at the the uh, the correlation there between Naboth and the contrast between Naboth and uh, 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 and Ahab. Hey, let's let's be content and let's take advantage of what God has given us. There's nothing like a close relationship to God. If you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel, I'd love for you to see this verse with me. But look at 2 Samuel and chapter number 12. 2 Samuel and chapter number 12. And we're talking about contentment. As opposed to covetousness. Now, David's my favorite Bible character in all of Scripture, but there was a period of life, a period of David's life where he became covetous instead of content. And if you look at chapter twelve and look at verse number one, it says, "And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb." Which, had, which he had brought up and nourished, uh, brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and the rest of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Now, here you can see the frustration and irritation in David. But there's nowhere in Scripture that, you know, a man's to die for taking another man's lamb. This was an aberration in David's life because he was guilty of something. And all of a sudden now this is festering up. And so he's trying to be extra righteous, so to speak, to cover up his own sin. And so here we find him getting frustrated and angry. And uh, verse number six, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wife into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel of Judah and Judah. And pay close attention as we read the next next phrase here. And if. That had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. God said, David, I gave you everything. He said, we walked in close fellowship. He said, even when you were running for your life, he said, I was your refuge. I kept you safe. And you'd be on one side of the mountain. I'd, I'd, I'd put, Saul was on one side of the mountain. I'd put you on the other side. 
He said, then as, as, as time, I told you you were going to be king, and then I anointed you king of Israel, and I gave you the palace, I gave you the throne. He said, I gave you everything, anything your heart desired. He said, and if that would have been too little, David, all you would have had to do is ask me, and I would have given it to you. Talk about a blank check from God. And yet David, at this time in his life, because of covetousness, he wanted something that did not belong to him. He wanted something that was forbidden for him to have. And he, and he, and he messed up royally because of covetousness. And may I just remind us all this evening, man, God's, God's blessed us richly. And we have an avenue of prayer that we can come directly to our Heavenly Father. And if we like anything, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. If we like anything, if you have not because he asked not, we can go to God directly in prayer. And yet Satan wants to convince us that we're missing out. And Satan wants to convince us that we're going to miss out on something in life. And, uh, and may I remind, especially to the teenagers, may I remind you this. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. And if you do God's will and if you serve God, God's going to put you exactly in the place that he wants you. And he's going to give you exactly what you need. And God's going to take care of you. And he's going to give you uh, 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 beyond the desires and, 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 and the greatest imagination of your heart. God will provide all of that if you just sell out and say, God, I just want to serve you. That's what David had. And yet he, and yet he decided, uh, to be covetous. He, he failed to realize what he had. And may I say this, never sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal. Satan wants to get your eyes off the blessing and folk and blessings and focus on the forbidden, what you can't have. Hey, but just make up your mind this evening. You know what? I'm going to be thankful for my family. And I'm going to be thankful. Hey, wives, be thankful for your husband. And, and husbands, be thankful for your wives. And let's be thankful for our children. Hey, and son, be thankful for your daddy. And daughter, be thankful for your mama. And vice versa. And let's just be thankful and content with what God has given us, realizing God's the one that gave it to me. And no, it's not for sale. No, I'm not relinquishing it. No, I'm not giving it up. I'm going to be content with what God has given me. Let's quit our complaining and let's start praising. Let's stop our criticizing. Let's start participating. Hey, I've got a goodly heritage. And the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen. Hey, we've got a King James Bible. We've got a, we've got a fundamental independent Baptist church. We've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We've got the glorious gospel that we can go out and spread out. And uh, all Ahab could see was the one thing he couldn't have. I want that vineyard. This is a grown man. This is the king of a nation. And he's so upset. He goes upstairs, not fasting for the power of God on his life. He goes upstairs and lays down with his face facing the wall because he's pouting. Because he can't have a vineyard. And he wasn't even going to use the vineyard for, you know, for the grapes. He was going to turn it into a garden of herbs. <laughs> and yet he was frustrated. He got, his, he got his mind fixated on that one thing that he couldn't have. And that's, that's all he could see. And let's set our heart and mind on that which we do have, our wholesome relationships, the good things God has given us richly to enjoy. And the Bible says God has given us things richly to enjoy. So enjoy the good things. Enjoy what God has given us. You don't have to do something unwholesome. And uh, that's, that's a lie of Satan. The opportunities that are ours for the taking. But I'd rather be content than covetous. Number two, I'd rather be productive than slothful. The Bible says, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. As you picture, uh, as you picture, oh, Ahab, and uh, as he, as he sits there, you know, he's, in, he's inherited so much his throne and so forth. 
But Ahab's a miserable man. Here he is going up and laying on his bed, pouting because he can't have. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't know Ahab personally, <laughs> but when I think of Ahab, I, I envision him. You ever, you ever seen somebody that's just never really worked for anything? And they don't really appreciate, you know, because they never had to, had to work for it. And that's what I envision Ahab. Naboth knew what it was to get up early. Naboth knew what it was to sweat. Naboth knew what it was to work hard and get up early and stay up late and uh, give his, his sweat and blood and tears uh, to something. And, uh, but I'd rather be productive than slothful. Hey, make the most of what you've been given. Naboth's name means fruits. Fruits. He was a fruitful, he was a fruitful man. You know that what God's desire for every single one of us is to be a fruitful Christian. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be productive. And it's up to us to build on what we've been given. And if you've been entrusted with a, uh, if you've been entrusted with a Sunday school class, hey, embrace that and take ownership and shepherd those boys and girls and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, men and women if you're an adult teacher. If you've been given a bus route or a section on a bus route, take ownership and fill up that bus and bring boys and girls, uh, and families and tell them about the Savior and teach them the Word of God. And if you've been given an opportunity to teach or preach and, but make the most out of what you've been given. And do give your best to the work of the Lord. Naboth was fruitful. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall also be required. We live in America. We live in a land of abundance. And you know that God wants us to get the gospel to the world. And God wants us to give. And, 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 and you know, and, and it doesn't and it doesn't mean that you if you just if you're not bearing any fruit, it doesn't mean you're going to have to, you know, bear, you know, uh, you know, untold multitudes. But, you know, what increases increases. In your Christian life, my Christian life, it's me doing more than I did yesterday. And I don't have to compare myself with Brother Hamilton, and I don't have to compare myself with Brother Swartz or Brother Calvin. I don't have to, we're not comparing ourselves. But you know what? I want to be a better Christian than I was six months ago. I don't want, I don't want the, the most spiritual years of my life to be when I was a teenager in the youth group. But God wants us to grow, and God wants us to be uh, uh, produce fruit and to and to uh, and to bear fruit. And uh, but give your best to the work of the Lord. There's a world to be reached. There's a next generation to be trained. And uh, you know, I, I was thinking about I was talking to Brother Greg, uh, Brother Greg Barnes, and we were uh, it was out there after the skeet shoot, and uh, we had used the uh, we had used the batteries for the buses out out uh, you know using it for uh, uh, for the skeet throwers, and we came back and I put them back in, and then somebody came. And stole the batteries out of out of the buses. This was uh, a little while back. And Brother Greg, he was he was like he's like Brother Sean. He's like I just can't. He's like he's like I did. You know he's like I wasn't always saved. He said but I but I didn't mess I didn't mess with church property. <laughs> and uh, and he said you know what that, you know why you know why that is. I was thinking about that a little later, Brother Greg, because you grew up with the fear of God, but there's a generation that are growing up out of church, and they don't have the fear of God. There's a generation that that just they uh, they have no respect for the the house of God the uh, the things of God, but you know what that means for me? That puts a puts a greater desire and a greater burden. You know, I want to I want to reach. That's a that's a greater incentive to go out and bring them in, and teach them what's right. And I'd rather I'd rather live. I'd rather uh, I'd rather be productive than slothful. Third, I'd rather live by principle than by pressure. I'd rather live by principle than by pressure. 
And, uh, and as you see, as we saw that a moment ago in, in 1 Kings in chapter one, uh, 20, uh, 21 and verse number 25, how Ahab sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And, uh, and Ahab was a man that was, he didn't, have, he didn't have convictions or he didn't stand by his convictions. He was a man that lived by pressure. But I'd rather live by principle than by pressure. And uh, Brother Clint Cavanis wrote a book entitled How to Build Your Own uh, uh, Biblical Standards. And one of the things he wrote in there, a scriptural principle is an observation of God's will as revealed in his word. A conviction is a firm belief based upon a scriptural principle that I have engrafted that compels me to change how I live. You know what that means? That means when the word of God gets a hold of you and it changes the way you live. And we're to be men and women of uh, of of of, uh, of the Bible, and uh, and we're to and we're to follow. You know, the Word of God is my final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And practice, the pressures of this world shouldn't dictate the decisions of a child of God. The Bible says, "Let the heathen rage." You know that. Uh, <laughs> you know, that two plus two is still four. You have two marbles and two marbles, you're still going to have four marbles. You have two feathers and two feathers, you're going to have four feathers. If there's a book that says two plus two equals five, that book is wrong. <laughs> if, there's, if there's somebody that gets up and says, you know, two plus, uh, two, plus two equals a million, that is wrong. And uh, I, was, uh, I shared this in, in, uh, in my Sunday school class I was doing. We did a, uh, a Sunday school lesson on truth. And I typed in, just to, just to give an illustration, um, how many genders are there? And then it automatically generated in 2023. So I clicked on it. And uh, would you like to know that there are 82 genders and gender, gender identities in 2023, according to Microsoft Bing, <laughs> which is the, uh, uh, but, but you know, that's, that's not the truth. It doesn't, uh, fact is that which, uh, truth is that which conforms to fact or reality. That which conforms to fact to reality. And two plus two is still four. And there are still only two genders. And it doesn't matter what the world says. And it doesn't what, what the, matter what the world says. Hey, that's, that's uh, politically incorrect. I don't care if it's politically incorrect. If it's truth, it's truth. And if it's the word of God, it's the word of God. And there really is a place called heaven. And there really is a place called hell. And if that offends you, it doesn't matter if it offends you or not. Because the Bible says it. And what God says is true. And the truth is what we build our life off of. And the truth is what, you know, we sing that little song in the primary church the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man you know and when we build our life upon the rock we're not have to worry when the storms come storms are coming to all of us but if we build our life on the rock when the storms come we're gonna we're gonna come out and be just fine and uh but never sell out ahab was for sale he was a characterless coward ahab could not accept no the power of restraint is the greatest power known to man. Naboth, contentment, I was looking up in uh, Webster's 1828, and actually one of the, one of the definitions of contentment has to do, the idea is living within boundaries. And contentment is just, you know what, this is what I have, and I'm content with that. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, I don't have to go outside the fence, and I'm just content with what God has given me. But Ahab, he, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't. He couldn't work that way. He had to have. He had to have something else, even though he already had so much. Ahab could not accept no. He could not tell himself no. We fail to recognize oftentimes what we have, because it oftentimes because it cost us nothing. Richard Burr, uh, he gave a victory speech when he became the senator, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the you know, most recent events in just a moment. 
But, but this speech was awesome. Richard Burr's dad was a pastor. And in his victory speech, uh, he told the story of his dad. April 5th, 1945, the war with Japan was at a great climax. I was with a group of men along the Pacific. The waves washed the bodies of soldiers upon the shore and splashed against them as if to say, wake up. And, and the sermon was entitled, Where the Action Is. And he talked about hearing, hearing word that the war was, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, that was advanced. And then shortly after that, um, he, uh, you know, there was an announcement that, uh, that we, you know, were winning or we had won or at least that portion of it. And, uh, and he talked about seeing his, uh, you know, seeing his comrades in arms and uh, how he heard, heard this good news or encouraging news, whichever one it was. And forgive me, it's been a while since I heard the story. But he said he heard that encouraging news. But the grave reality hit as he watched his buddies' bodies come up on the shore as the waves washed up, you know, washed. And and here's what he said. What is gained by ultimate sacrifice is only kept by unremitting effort. What is gained by ultimate sacrifice is only kept by unremitting effort. And the unthinkable thing is that same senator who had this incredible victory speech is the same one that caved when it came for, to the Respect for Marriage Act. And, and yet, <laughs> but the point is this, our Savior paid a price. And the apostles paid a price. And there's been so many that have gone before us that have paid, paid a price. And uh, as even in, you know, uh, in, in, in the Baptist, you know, independent Baptist uh, movement, you read the biography of, you know, J. Frank Norris or, uh, or uh, Dr. John R. Rice or, uh, and even, even in our, you know, modern day. And I was talking, talking to uh, uh, Mrs. Cox. She called me on the phone today who is my teacher uh, when, I was in, when I was in high school. And I was just thinking about all the people that have invested in my life and have paid a price. How in the world could I spit on the sacrifices that others have made for me to have such a rich inheritance. And Naboth said, he said, no, I'm not going to sell out. Who am I to sell out? Who are you to sell out? To spit on the sacrifices that they have made. I'd rather die a hero than live a coward. You know, Naboth would be vindicated. And it would be later on when Jehu, who drove furiously, one time I was, I was driving the bus, this was over 10 years ago, and uh, and I was I was driving the bus and uh, and there was some kids sitting right behind me, and there was a sports car and I can't remember it was some type of like like really cool like concept car or something that came up uh, and it was red and the license plate said Jehu and I was like oh look 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 and it was like went way over their head and uh, so the Bible said that Jehu drove furiously and but it was Jehu who and, and I won't take time to go there this evening but in Second Kings chapter nine you can go through and read and where Jehu cleaned house. And he killed all the all the remnant of Ahab's seed. That's where you know they, he goes up there. And who said who's on the Lord's side? And uh, and, they, and he said. Uh, and then one of the eunuchs looked out, and he's like, "Throw her over!" And he's like, he threw Jezebel over. And uh, and so, uh, but Naboth would be vindicated. And the Bible says in Psalm one sixteen fifteen, "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints." And in closing. So Naboth did die that day. But I want you to think about this. The Bible says our life is even a vapor, right? What is life? Even, but even a vapor. But imagine the reunion when Naboth opened his eyes in glory. And there was a Savior who was pleased 
there was his daddy and there was his granddaddy. My boy! <laughs> you know, Nabal. I'd rather die a hero than live a coward. Be content with what God has given you. Sometimes the devil sneaks in, doesn't he? Tries to get us fixed on, man, what if you had this job or this, or what if there was this? And it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily what we need. It's just, Lord, I want to follow your will. And if you want me to have a new job, I'd be happy to, you know, if you want me to have, uh, you know, uh, something else. But, but, that's, but that's your decision, Lord. But be content with what God has given you. Be productive. Give God your best. And live by biblical principles. And never sell out. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And God, thank you for the truth.